What is up, legends? Welcome back to another episode of Zoning with Zach. I was lucky enough to sit down with two times ICN sports model overall champion in Shana Lee, and she takes us right into the world of competing and not only what it takes to just compete, but also win from a nutritional standpoint, training standpoint, and mindset as well. She takes us through the ups and downs and what it, the toll that it takes to compete and get to um, an ultra lean level and get on stage, but there's some also some amazing stories in there too. Shana Lee is actually a eating disorder recoverer and she had a tough time removing her self-worth from the scales and she tells us how she got out of that and then eventually on to competing and winning, obviously. Another thing that Shana Lee breaks down is she's also vegan as well and there's just some awesome insights into the nutrition side of it and how hard it is for, for vegan competitors. So I hope you guys do enjoy the episode. If you do, please uh, take a screenshot, tag me, tag Shana Lee and enjoy, guys. Shana Lee, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. No, it's good to have you here. I'm excited for this one. We're going to dive into all things competing and obviously you've um, competed a fair few times and it's a really awesome topic. There's so much that goes into it. So um, I'm super excited to, to break that down. So maybe just off the bat, why don't you tell the listeners um, what you've actually competed in and the success you've had around that and then we'll get into the, the finer details and what goes into it. Alrighty. So I have competed in a natural bodybuilding competition um, the Federation's called ICN. It's literally an acronym for I Compete Natural. Um, I was in the fitness category and the sports category. So within that um, federation, there's different divisions. They were my two. Um, and within those divisions, there's categories. So there's, you know, sports first-timer. That's first time ever competing. Um, sports rookie. So that is... Uh, first time in that category novice which means you haven't won an open or haven't placed top three in the open and then the open category which is open to all competitors so it's typically going to be experienced competitors um in height classes so short medium tall whoever wins the open in that height class will then go in to compete in the overall for that category against each other whoever wins that wins the open so i won sports model overall champion twice so last year april and may um yeah beautiful two-time winner yes how good is that as i said like yeah it's a there's obviously a lot that goes into it so we're going to break down all the steps which is really good and i guess um like where did the idea come to compete because obviously it's not for everyone and there's a lot that goes into just not even just competing but also winning which you did um a couple of times which is fantastic but yeah um how do you actually get into to the competing and the idea of it um okay so i've been into health and fitness pretty much my whole life uh weight training for several years and um i really i'm a really competitive person really like to set goals and i just thought that's like really leveling up and just taking things um yeah to the next level um I'd seen friends of friends competing on like social media and stuff like that. And I was just really in awe of like the, just the level of dedication and commitment it must take to get to that level. Um, and when I started becoming really serious about competing before I reached out to my coach, um, I'd just gone through a breakup. So I just thought this is the time to do it. I don't have to focus on anyone but myself. Yeah. So I was going to get to it. Yeah. Beautiful, mate. Nice. And when, it, when you do start out with stuff, I think it's the first step to get a coach. Is that your like number one priority before you even start the process of competing and stuff like that? The first step would be to get a coach. Um, 
and I would recommend doing your research. You know, there's a lot of coaches out there that are interested in just getting another win under their belt. Like you want yeah. to find someone that is that has your health in mind and gonna you know keep your hormones in check, especially for females competing. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I found my coach, her name's Beck Cameron through a friend I went to PT school with actually. Oh, nice. So she competed with Beck. Um, I reached out to her on Instagram, let her know what I wanted to do. Um, and she wanted to work with me for a little bit. Most, most coaches do, you know, they want to build your calories up, um, really get a feel for how your body works. Yeah. Um, before diving straight into a prep. Yeah. So when I started with my coach, we built my calories up, um, just to really prime my metabolism um, have a really good starting base. You want to start on as high calories as possible because then when you start cutting, if you're starting low, then there's not much room to move. Yeah. yeah, to move from there. Yeah, exactly. You want to build, have a decent amount of muscle mass. When I started with my coach, like I said, I'd already been weight weight training for years, so I already had um, a fairly good starting point. And you know, genetics plays a role. Like I'm not stocky, but kind of muscly already so it wasn't too bad yeah beautiful with Um, your calories like how high like when you did finish your bulk and you were going to reverse reverse out into a deficit phase how high were your calorie numbers like when you were coming out of that the same as they are now so i'm in a calorie surplus now so um but the highest they got is about 2600 so my calories at the moment and same as last time similarly um Carbs, 355 grams. Yeah. Protein is about 135. Fats, about 67 grams. So, yeah, about 2,600 calories. Yeah. So, starting off like that, I started last time about three months out. I was already in quite good condition. This time around about five months out. So, most competitors will start their prep three to five months out um, before the show. Um, So... Throughout that period, what you will essentially do is um, slowly reduce calories, carbs mainly. So reducing carbs, fat and protein pretty much stays the same. Um, checking in with your coach just to see how body composition is going. Um, you know, diet breaks and refeeds can be implemented as well. Um, just to sort of restore metabolism. I didn't have too many, maybe about five or so. Yeah. When you get to about six weeks, a month out, you're pretty much just going full speed. So, you know, not, I wouldn't say I had any diet breaks or refeeds in that time. It's just like cutting, 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 um, depleting as much as you can, trying to lose as much body fat as possible. And the reason we do it slowly as well is you want to preserve muscle mass. You know, if you start dropping weight too quick, you, as we would know, you know, your muscle, you, yeah, muscle goes, goes with yeah. that as well. So, um, yeah, trying to lose as much body fat as possible. Yeah. Was it, was there a goal weight for you, um, in terms of like per week loss during your, even for that three to five months out on a weekly basis, was there an aim you guys were trying to get to, or was it kind of like flexible and, and see what happens? Flexible because I mean, you know, as you know, the scale doesn't dictate anything, especially yeah. in this, you know, I even on stage, I weighed 54 kilos. Yeah. That isn't really that low in the grand scheme of things. Other competitors were in the forties. Um, I looked lean as fuck, but I yeah. just had like a quite a, quite a lot of muscle mass. So yeah, the scale doesn't really mean anything. We were just taking it by photos, measurements, yeah, check-in videos, just seeing how we go. There was no goal weight or anything. So when I started the last prep, I was 61 kilos and then finished off at um, 54, this time 68 kilos. 
That's the most I've ever weighed in my life. Yeah, wow. So yeah. that's why it's going to be a longer prep. Like definitely have built muscle, but inevitably I have gained body fat as well. And, you know, that's just going to happen in the calorie surplus. That's okay. Yeah. So the prep will be longer from there. Um, my next comp is in October. So we're going to start in about four weeks or so. And then throughout the prep, um, training. So the whole idea, like we want to achieve a certain look. So that would be small waist, big shoulders, um, round delts, um, you know, developed lats, glutes, hamstring ties. So the training needs to be tailored according to what look we're trying to achieve. When I first prepped, we were actually uh, prepping for the bikini category. And then a month out, I changed to fitness because I, once I got really lean, you can't have abs in bikini, essentially, you know, it's, it's a, a bit of a softer look. The fitness category in sports is a harder, like leaner look. Yeah. And that's what I was starting to look like. So I did change um, categories. So for me, my training was split up into six days, um, three lower days, three upper days. So a lot of barbell hip thrust variations, yeah. um, deficit curtsy lunges, things like that, walking lunges, leg press, a lot of lateral raises, um, yeah. lat pull downs, you know, just very repetitive um, exercise selection. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got to do it, I guess, to build muscle. And I didn't lift heavy. That's another thing I'll say. You know, I was um, hip thrusting just 60 kilos. That's fuck all in the, yeah, in yeah, the grand scheme things. of things. But the yeah. thing is, like, the judges don't care how strong you are. You know, yeah. I really didn't want to go too heavy because I wanted to make sure that mind muscle connection was there, really the feeling, the squeeze. Um, you know, still implemented progressive overload, but that was more so with um, higher reps and really utilizing tempo and um, yeah, things like that. Yeah, beautiful. And with your with your training, like um, obviously you spoke about the volume and stuff like that, but how hard can it actually be in terms of recovery? And like you said, your strength levels kind of dropped off a bit there. Um, like how hard did it get during the, the closer stages to the competing with your training, like to, to constantly like show up? Yeah, definitely. So um, it's really hard to go to the gym when you're depleted, you know, yeah. brain fog. Um, there's no strength definitely goes down. I will say that um, by the end, it was just ticking boxes, you know, just making sure I got shit done, make sure steps are done, make sure training's done. Um, I was very emotional in the gym. <laughs> um, I think I've told you this, but I remember I cried one time on Easter when I was trying to load the weights onto the barbell to do hip thrusts like just so depleted but you know I had a goal in mind and eye on the prize and I was not going to let anything get in the way of that yeah I love that like I I can definitely relate I mean I didn't cry out of the gym but I know like it must be hard after being in a deficit for so long there there was mornings where I would wake up and it would feel like I didn't even sleep and Mm -hmm. um like I would just completely not break down but I would just feel like the smallest inconvenience would just set me off oh yeah absolutely yeah I would be so close to tears and I just feel like this is fuck like even like even supersetting like yeah um you know, if someone is on is using the machine that I need to use, <laughs> get so pissed off. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 absolutely crazy. And I guess like I remember when you said before with the cardio, like I'd love to revert back to that. And um, obviously, the training must have been super hard with trying to um, maintain strength levels and main like retain as much muscle mass as possible. But when did you start um, implementing cardio into your training, and how how hard was that as well? Yep. So the last prep was three months out. So we did start bringing in cardio. I think the start of it was twice a week for 30 minutes. 
Then it got to three times a week for 40 minutes. By the end, I was doing six cardio sessions a week for wow. 50 minutes. And my wow. coach wanted me to keep my heart rate. I think it was between 130 to 140. When calories are so low, I can't even tell you how hard it is to get your heart rate up. Like I wasn't even breaking a sweat. Yeah, wow. Like, you know, your body's trying to preserve every bit of energy it can, you know, not exert anything. So trying to get through cardio and the training was hard. I did break them up. So I would normally go to the gym for cardio in the morning, like just um, catabolic, just get that out of the way, come home, have food, then do the weight session. Um, yeah, I mean, even about two weeks before the show, I went on holiday with my family over Easter, really hard with, you know, Easter egg hunts and all the food and all that. <laughs> all the fun stuff, but, um, yeah. Because I didn't want to keep on going to the gym during that time. I would do my cardio and uh, weights together, which isn't ideal, but I would just smash out the weights and then do cardio straight after. So, like, that was really, really hard, especially, you know, a week before the show, so depleted, so emotional, just... Yeah, slogging away. Yeah, absolutely. I could imagine. And I actually would love to get River a little bit back to the food stuff because um, listeners would know, but you are vegan. That's true, yes? Yes, I am. Was it it been a bit harder? And I know that um, it's so good now that we've got a lot of awareness about that stuff and um, what people eat is completely up to them. But did it it differ for you in terms of difficulty from like non-vegan competitors to vegan competitors? Yeah, being vegan, it's definitely harder to get lean and build muscle. Um, even with protein combining, non-animal plant protein, oh sorry, not animal, non-animal protein sources like plant proteins are typically of lower quality. Yeah. Um, even even with good quality sources like uh, like soy, for example, it's still really low in leucine. Um, which is the prime amino acid responsible for muscle protein synthesis. Well delivered, well done, well said. (laughs) It's a hard word. So, so yeah, definitely harder. I did rely on things like uh, good quality mock meats. So sun-fed chicken, for example, that one's made out of pea and rice protein. Nice. Pumpkin. Um, Another one is bird's eye um, chicken strips. It's a soy-based one, you know, minimally processed, uh, fortified with things like iron and zinc. So, you know, it's really hard to get that in with a vegan diet too. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so relying on things like that, I would try and opt for like 20 grams of, of protein or so per meal. Um, I also have a leucine supplement. So just from bulk nutrients, so I would have that with creatine, like mixed in wheat bigs or whatever, so you can't taste it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that definitely helps. Um it's easier being vegan in a surplus. So like, okay, the, the sun-fed chicken, for example, because it's not a meat source, it's going to have to be made, made out of other things, right? So yeah. fats and carbs hide everywhere. That's yeah. fine in a surplus. If you're trying to cut and cut you don't have many yeah. you know, calories and carbs to work with, then yeah, it definitely uh, makes it harder. So um, for example, 100 grams of sun-fed is like 200 and... 40 calories or something oh wow 100 yeah. grams of chicken breast is so like between nothing. 100 110 yeah. so like you can already see there how it's a lot of the macros are being taken up and when i was in my full-blown cut right before the show my calories were trigger warning um <laughs> just under 1300 so yeah. fats were 50 grams protein 130 carbs 80 grams a day wow 
So yeah, I was literally just starving the whole time because I'm vegan as well. Do need to make sure that oh, I did need to, I still do need to make sure I am taking all supplements like B12 is a big one. Yeah. Um, you know, you find that primarily from animal sources. So I've got that. I've got um, omega threes, you know, that helps with recovering inflammation, fish oil. So the one that I have is an algae omega three, um, iron tablets, ferrograde C, ferrograde C. So that zinc, um, creatine. Yeah. And that's pretty much all I take. I also don't take any pre-workout. Um, sometimes the cheeky beta alanine, if I, I Need feel like I want boost. the face tingles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's awesome, mate. That's a, that's a crazy insight because like even with the 80 grams of carbs, like I think I sit around like maybe 250 to 300, maybe 350 if I'm having a really great day. Um, so like, as I said, like you're going to make me cry with the 80 grams of carbs. Like I'm just sitting here like, like, oh shit, like that would have been crazy tough, like especially with the cardio side of things and you know, oh, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. Even on that note as well, like at the moment I don't track things like, um, you know, mushrooms or spinach, just really low calorie foods. There's no point. Yeah. By that point, you're literally tracking everything to the gram, like celery, well. asparagus like everything needs to be in check yeah. um and they are taking up your carbs so yeah. you got, don't have many to work with like i'm literally measuring that out and yeah what i what, what i was eating um in the lead up to the show i'm sure everyone's interested in that so about six to four weeks out um really focusing on diuretic vegetables to sort of help flush out water so things like celery i have a taste aversion to that yeah um asparagus um lettuce um, zucchini, things like that. No sauce, no stevia, no sweeteners, like nothing. It's just sun-fed chicken for me, that stuff. I was having oats, but it was mainly cauliflower oats. So when I say oats, I'm talking like 15 grams of them, yeah. barely oats. Wow. The only like yummy food I had was nut butter um, for fats. Yeah. So yeah, very, very clean. clean um, yeah. The reason a lot of people don't eat like that, a lot of coaches don't get their competitors to eat like that. The reason we did that is just to really get every one percenter out of the way, you know, um, reduce waste, uh, waste size, uh, reduce inflammation, bloating, yeah. um, distension. So to really yeah. bring in a dry, hard look. Yeah. Wow. And I was going to say it before that, like, um, how limited you were a few weeks out, but it's good that you gave us a, a good insight, mate. And the, the training and nutrition side is, is full on. So, um, awesome breakdown. And I have no doubt listeners were taking heaps from that, but if we move on to a few other things that are involved, like, um, and, and this is this is cool, like I always love the poses and I, I try to um, not do it myself, I always kind of jokingly look like, see, I'm going to do that pose and like, <laughs> I just look weird and can't even do it. So uh, another thing I really want to touch on um, was the posing coaches, like how much work actually goes into the, the posing on the stage? Yeah, okay. Um, a lot. So having a great physique is one thing. If you can't showcase that on stage, then that is going to let you down. So um, that's what's been holding me back this whole time. I haven't been posing properly. <laughs> <laughs> so with the posing, you're going to want to invest in a posing coach, you know, that knows what they're doing, can really tailor your poses um, to showcase your strengths and minimize your weaknesses. So for example... Um, I have a thicker waist, not too thick, but we want it to look narrow on stage. So the poses really need to emphasize like big lats, um, big delts, big upper body, really puff everything up. 
um, but keep the waist nice and tight. So let's just say you're in your front pose. So there's four poses, by the way. There's front pose where everyone's in the exact same pose, um, side pose, back pose, and then back to the side and back to the front. Transitioning between each pose is kind of like your own choreography. The posing coach will work on that with you. So like how, you, you know, your flow and how smooth it is, all of that, but all the poses are the same. The reason for that is they need to be able to judge everyone equally in front of them. Um, my front pose, for example, if I'm in the front pose, belly button all the way to the right hand side to really like make the, create the illusion of a really narrow waist. Um, so with my posing coach, I worked with her three months out. I would recommend somebody who's looking into doing this to do it earlier because you want it to be really three natural. Months, it's wow. really yeah. hard at the start because it's yeah. like, okay, where do my feet need to be? Where do my hands need to be? Now it feels really natural and it's a bit more flowy and um, elegant. Yeah, but yeah, the start it is kind of hard. So yeah, yeah I would work with um, my coach like I'd say about every two weeks, more closer to the show, just really refining things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, obviously it takes a lot. Like you see on stage and it does look so natural and looks great. So um, yeah, obviously a super important component of competing. Um and I really want to dive into a few of the cons of competing. I know that um, with so much that goes into it and how competitive it really is, just from someone who's who's been there and the effects that can come from it in terms of um, food focus and then, you know, your sleep, how does it affect your sleep patterns, your cortisol levels, and you said you were quite emotional and obviously being female as well comes with a few extra things. So what are a few of the biggest challenges you had to go through throughout the whole process? Um, the biggest con would ha definitely have to be depleted energy and everything that comes down to that. Um, competing is without a doubt very stressful on the body. So, um, you know, with that cortisol is absolutely through the roof. Um, you know, sleep goes to shit with carbohydrates. Like we know that they play a role in uh, tryptophan and uh, serotonin, you know, so in the absence of carbs alongside um, in inadequate energy intake and increased energy expenditure, um, yeah, everything just starts going absolutely to shit. So with yeah. sleep, I would wake up every night at like 2 to 3 a.m., um, heart flutters. Wow. I'll talk about why that is in a sec. Yeah, easy. Um, you know, I, when I was sleeping, it just felt like I was in a really light sleep, like very irritated, you know, just just this constant brain fog. Like I can't, cause it was so slow. I didn't realize what it was like. And you know, until when I came out of it, but yeah. it's like, you're looking at the world through this blurry lens. Like, yeah. you know, you turn your head, everything's slow motion. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'm just speaking from my own experience. Yeah, no, other people's yeah. Perhaps might be different, but yeah, so depleted walking around is too much. I need to sit down. Um, and just sad. Yeah. Like, yeah, I just, felt really sad <laughs> yeah. i don't know what it was um uh, also body fat that is another reason why everything starts going out of whack as well so for females i'm pretty sure essential body fat is between 12 to 13 percent i had 10 percent body fat so you can only imagine yeah what that's doing to the body you know you're dipping into essential fat stores um i lost my period um which is kind of inevitable at that level of body fat. Um, my heart rate was really slow. Um, 36 beats per minute resting heart rate. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So 
I mean, your body's just holding on to any bit of energy it can by that point. Um, try not to expend too much because you are in starvation mode. So yeah, everything just slows right down. You feel shit. You know, it's the best you ever looked, but it's honestly the shittest you've ever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's just not sustainable. Yeah. Um, You know, we'll talk about eating disorders too. So this ties into this. When I was in high school, I had an eating disorder. So it was bulimia and binge eating disorder. I never had anorexia. And even though I feel like, that's recovered. I feel like a part of that always stays with you. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people might be thinking, why would you do a prep if you've had an eating disorder? I mean, yeah. it does definitely bring those types of things um, back up. Yeah. But one lesson I did learn, you know, the younger version of myself would have always wanted to strive for the body that I achieved. Yeah. Maybe not as muscly because it, it was all about being thin back then. Yeah. Um, but one lesson I learned was once I got to that ideal body, quote unquote, it doesn't equal happiness. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like a one big takeaway. Yes. Okay. You look great. But like you said, at what cost? Yeah, exactly. It's not going to, yeah, fix any internal like unhappiness. Like I, I know from Park's experience, like even you said with your, your partner broke up with you, like if some of those things happen, it'd be like, you know, I'll smash the weights and try to get lean, but it doesn't really fix any internal problems. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, being lean is definitely um, achievable. You know, our clients want to be lean and there's nothing wrong with somebody being lean, but yeah. that level of body fat is just not sustainable, not maintainable. There's no life involved with that. You know, you can't go and eat out with your friends. Um, you feel like crap all the time. You can't do anything. Your food focus is so high, you're just waiting for your next meal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, full-on breakdown, man. And again, thanks for sharing with the eating disorder as well. It must have been like pretty tough and a tough time. And um, I've had previous episodes with with eating disorder recoveries. And yeah, it's a it's a crazy thing to talk about. And it always pretty strikes, you know, strikes big. But this is a big one for anyone when they, when they go into a deficit phase. Like the reverse diet thing is super important. I was actually talking to a... Um, a person last week about hypertrophy and muscle gain and stuff like that and as i was saying to him it it felt like i was just in a constant deficit my whole life without i've always done just trying to lose fat you know what i mean um and i've never known to reverse diet but now i'm trying like doing it properly but even coming from like a healthy lean level into reverse dieting so how hard was it to reverse diet from you know competitive on the stage super lean as you said 54 kilos like how hard was it to reverse diet out of that yeah like really hard so after restricting and, you know, controlled starvation for so long, when you're pretty much free, you're not free to eat whatever you want, but there's no like end goal in mind anymore. Yeah. It is really hard to stick to the reverse diet. You know, when I came out of the the comp prep um, and did my two shows, everyone was like, let's go out for dinner and let's do all these things that, you know, you didn't get to do. And um, even though my coach did prescribe a reverse diet, plan for me I wasn't following it to a T and in my head I was like oh you know it's only a few days you can't get fat in a few days but Mm. I do wish that I had stuck to that a little bit more I mean look your BMR does drop Um, you are burning calories at a lower rate there's no doubt about that like it's pretty obvious and evident from the negative metabolic adaptations I mean the heart rate is a big one Um, if you try and go back to normal eating straight after that and you're in such a, you have such a low body fat percentage, of course your body is trying to restore normal levels yeah, and of course, yeah. you are going to sort of stack on the weight a lot quicker. So I did find that hard. 
the reverse diet is really meant to be um, gaining calories or increasing calories by about like 100 to 200 per week or so, assessing the individual based on body composition, how they're feeling, things like that, um, scale weight, and then, you know, going from there. Um, this time around, when I do compete next, I feel like I'm going to be in a much better position to follow the reverse diet. I feel like I've gone through the works. I've gone through the emotions of a first time competitor. You know, I didn't know what to expect and coming out of the show. So I think this time around I have got it down pat. And another thing to remember is like food is always going to be there, right? So you don't have to indulge in it just because you've, you know, depleted the whole time, you know, just like take it easy and, um, yeah, just do things, just do it healthily. No, nah, awesome, mate. I love that. And let's dive into your, to your next show. Like, obviously, um, you've learned so much along the way and stuff like that, and you're building up uh, now at the moment, getting prepped out. So take us into the next show and kind of the steps from now until you compete. At the moment, I am in a calorie surplus. I have been for a while. It is uncomfortable, but you kind of need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. It's so hard trying to oh, yeah. put on weight on purpose like i was saying before like when we talked about the reverse dining side of it like trying to put weight on like intentionally is tough yeah absolutely um it's it is really hard i mean like seeing yourself the leanest you've ever been and then i'm the heaviest i've ever been yeah but then again i I would say that body composition is still pretty good yeah like the scale weight doesn't mean anything definitely have gained muscle since last year which is good um my just a bit off topic, but my feedback from the judges was that I need to bring in upper body. So delts, lats, legs are fine, glute, hamstring, tie, all of that was there. I was really happy with lower body. It's just I need to bring up the upper body. So that was the focus this time round. So yeah, dive into a calorie surplus to try and build muscle. And inevitably you're going to gain body fat. That's okay. I feel like I'm also okay about it because I know that we are going to start prep soon. And if yeah. I wasn't a competitor, I wouldn't sit at this high weight. Yeah. So it's not, I've really learned to detach like my sort of self-worth to the scales. And that, that like took a very long time. I bet. So in about four to six weeks, I'm going to start prep. Um, that's where we're going to bring in pretty much similar protocol as last time, bringing um, cardio, um, drop calories. It's very individualized. So my coach will assess that as we go. Um, I'm going to do ICN again. I'm also going to do another federation NBA. So there'll be some shows in September and October. Um, in season B, they do give out pro cards. So I am kind of nervous because like the only experience I've had of a show is winning and it's not all about winning. I understand that, but I feel like the bar for myself that I've set is so high that I would love to, if I win like an overall again, then you get a pro card in that division. Um, I would love to take out sports again. I do want fitness as well. Um, so we'll see how we go. Um, yeah, I mean, if I don't win, that's also okay. It's not about winning. It's about wanting to win and also beating my last physique, which yeah. I know that I already have. I've got way more muscle mass as the starting point. So I love that point. really keen yeah. to unwrap this present and see what's under there. Yeah, awesome. So as long as I beat myself last time, that's okay. And also as long as I give it my all, if I don't win and I'm on stage and I can just say to myself, honestly, I've done everything I can to get here. There's nothing more I could have done then I'm okay with that. I don't want to get there and be like, you know, I could have done this or I didn't do that. Like I'm always asking my coach, surely there's more we can do. Like what else can we do? Because I'm competitive and I want to win this thing. Yeah, beautiful. I love it. And uh, there's something that stuck with me while you're saying that. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to jog your memory and chuck back mm-hmm. there. But when you said you took your 
self-worth from the scales like when you got to that super lean level and or even before that have you ever had problems with that in the past where you've had to um kind of really take away from the scales and what they say to to how you feel mentally about it um well pretty much my whole life my my mood and worthiness to a sense was dictated by the scales yeah so to cut and get that lean was almost satisfying in a way with competing. It's not that this is necessarily how it went for me, but I can see how it's the perfect narrative. Let's just say someone wasn't competing in there, um, participating in all these behaviors. Yeah. Someone would look from the outside and go like, you have a problem. Whereas it's, it's glamorized and glorified in the competing world. You know, yeah, you look great, like keep going. Like it's, yeah. a, like I said, perfect narrative, but yeah. um, I did get really attached to, not just the weight, not necessarily the weight. Like I said, I was a lot higher than the other girls. Yeah. Um, but just the way that I looked. Like I felt like my physique that I built, I built was my pride and joy. It took so long to get there, like so many sacrifices um, that I was really attached to that. And I didn't want to reverse diet back to normal because, yeah. you know, it was – it was what I achieved and yeah. I knew that it, you know, I studied nutrition. I know how, how it is. It's not maintainable, but I just was dreading going back to normal. Um, and even with competing as well, I, cause I spent so long in this prep, you know, I gave it my absolute all, like I really identified with being a competitor. I, when I was, you know, reverse dieting and going back to normal, you know, quote unquote normal, I felt like. I didn't know who I was because I'd no longer looked like a competitor yeah. and I, I found it really hard to, um, separate the two. Like my coach was getting me to do exercises where on one side of the page, you write who you are, like, you know, what you do, um, or who you are versus what you do. So yeah. what I do, I compete and blah, 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 but that's not who I am. Who so are, yeah. yeah, I found it really hard. Yeah. Um, I spoke to a counselor who used to be a IFBB competitor so different federation um yeah so she really helped me um come out of that i guess yeah um and just like it was just it was mainly the binging i couldn't stop binging on food Mm. like i was like a kid in a candy shop standing in front of the fridge like i just couldn't even though i had the great intentions to follow the reverse diet which i did majority of the time i just felt like i had no control over myself and i know that a lot of competitors do fall into this trap and it is so easy to do and i feel like it's not spoken about enough it's hard you know you're restricting for so long mm. the pendulum swings one way of course it's going to swing back swing the other back way the other, before yeah. it stops in the middle exactly. so yeah. yeah i found that really hard definitely in a better place now i feel like the prep made me well really brought to the surface dormant problems like i said that i already had so and i wasn't tackling them i was just sort of yo-yo dieting or ignoring it and you know going through the works but because it really resurfaced everything and made me tackle stuff head on i have definitely changed my relationship with food and my body and that's awesome yeah i'm not saying it's the same for everyone but for someone that's had an eating disorder and then prepping this has actually helped me come out of the other side because of all the self-worth self-work that i have done around food and body image wow yeah that's crazy like a little bit lost words because that was such a um like deep dive into how much it can play and i i guess i always try to find ways i can connect but even things where i would have like um refeed days and i'm kind of the same like 
I would have a set calorie count, might be a refeed of like 3,500, but I would just fucking lose control. And yeah, because it's, like, it's almost yeah. like it's a free range for the exactly, day. Exactly, yeah. You kind of, I would wake up on a Friday and just think, fuck, like today's my refeed day and I'll just fucking lose control, like 5,000, 6,000 calories. Like I would just go for it. So it is so hard, like when you're trying to, to diet and get to lean and then you kind of, release the shackles a little bit like mm-hmm. how hard it is to rein it in you just kind of lose control you know yeah absolutely yeah full on but i guess like there is a lot of positives with competing so <laughs> let's dive into a few of those because we have touched on you know how hard it is and stuff and um i would really love to hear from you like what it has taught you competing you know so what are the best things you've got out of competing definitely the level of commitment and you know putting your mind towards something and achieving it like I can't tell you how satisfying that is and probably the biggest one um delayed gratification like in my opinion that is the the biggest form of self-care you know delaying or denying yourself short-term pleasures or temptations for long term yeah a goal that's so much bigger and that's what competing is really all about there's no way you can get to the stage with a physique like that you know, messing up on your macros or not giving it a hundred percent, you know, you're pretty much half naked up there. There's nowhere to hide. It's obvious if you haven't given it your all and, you know, looking at competitors, I feel like the, the way they look on the day is just such a testament to, um, the blood, sweat and tears they've put in. Yeah. So yeah, definitely delayed gratification. Like I appreciate, I really appreciate that. Like I love the discipline. I love structure order you know scheduling and just having a goal and setting out and achieving it. and like you know um i feel like in my own everyday life i'm just so much calmer and i appreciate things that i didn't okay so i would love to go for a walk in the morning when, with an almond latte i yeah. cut out almond milk when i was in prep and yeah. i was having long blacks like doesn't sound that bad but i hated that and just going for a walk every morning in my normal routine listening to a podcast sometimes they're yours now <laughs> and with, <Okay>. the, <laughs> with the almond latte you know I miss that. Like I really appreciated the small things in life, like family dinners or just like normal things that we would take for granted every day. It helped me appreciate that. Yeah. Wow. I love that. So good. I actually read, um, I think it might've been Atomic Habits and he speaks about, um, yeah, it talks about how we always delay um, things because we want instant gratification on on what we're doing. So um, that straight away hit with me. Like that was, that was so good. And it ties in with that, like the almond latte thing. You really take that for granted, you know? Yeah. Yeah, crazy. You know, some um, amazing insights and in what it takes to, to win and compete. So for people out there who might be a little bit nervous or unsure if they want to compete, like what's your advice to people who are wanting to compete? Yep. Okay. So I'll start off with recommendations if you are ready to compete. So the first one would be definitely to get a coach, someone that's going to invest in your health, knows what they're doing, you know, your, your comp prep is in their hands. So find a coach that, you know, you click with and, you know, is going to um, help you get to the stage. Um, if you are ready to prep, I feel like you will need to be familiar with weight training, have a decent amount of muscle mass, um, able to track macros, calories, um, prioritize training when you when you don't have the time. Like it really requires bodybuilding um, routines and tendencies you know if you're finding it hard now just to go to the gym then a comp prep probably isn't the best start you really need to get into the rhythm of things yeah um you need to understand as well that 
comp prep does involve phases of calorie surplus and building and you know if you need to be able to accept your body at all stages of course love yourself at all stages because it's not a skinny contest at the end of the day yeah. the the building is the hardest part the yeah, shredding is the easiest like yeah. i mean emotionally no but in theory it's easier to shred than it is to build muscle yeah, you know you building muscle changes absolutely requires energy so you need to be eating adequate or more than adequate food to achieve that yeah um you also need to be able to check if you're you know is, are you a healthy person do you have any underlying health issues that's going to bring them out if they're not addressed um so you know you could get your bloods done see any deficiencies there yeah it's expensive so um take into account it is going to cost a lot of money there's the the comp prep entries um coaches, registration yeah. fee yeah coaches your posing coach all the food like it does actually cost quite a bit of money i would say budget about five grand yeah at least like yeah. it's a lot and lastly if you can be structured and disciplined with your routine um and have like a really have a no excuses i'm getting shit done attitude because that is really what it takes you know you're gonna you're not relying on motivation i love that about this sport that's not motivation at all no, um yeah. a lot of people ask me like hey you're so motivated i'm not no i'm disciplined thing, yeah. like Motivation absolutely goes out the window. It's just relying on habit and discipline and, yeah. you know, remembering what your why is. Um, my recommendations to not do a comp prep or not yet um, is if you are doing it for the wrong reason. So, for example, external validation as a weight loss challenge because it is, like I said, um, not maintainable or sustainable. So you aren't going to be able to stay at that level forever. It is yeah. just for one day. So, you know, it is important to keep that in mind. Um, also, if you're new to weight training, you're going to want to build up a decent amount of muscle mass. Firstly, um, prime your metabolism, build up calories before you even start about doing, a, think about starting a prep. If you find it hard to stick to a meal plan or macros or um, yeah, something like that, this is probably not the best option to start off with because it does require you know, a good knowledge of nutrition, sticking to a plan, being inherent. Um, mm. Yeah, you need to be really inherent with this type of sport, obviously. Yeah. Um, if you don't have time to get to the gym or find it hard to get to the gym or don't enjoy it, weight training for yeah, this sport is repetitive and boring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're going to be doing the same things over and over and over again. So, yeah. yeah you need that's... to, like, be in love with oh, yeah. being bored in this game, like, especially, like, even some body comp stuff and, and even sometimes in my clients they're like, oh, I want to do this. I'm like, oh, it's kind of important. Like you have to fall in love with being bored at times. Yeah, definitely. And it's the same. I mean, the training blocks are like six weeks. So mine, yeah. I didn't mention this, but my training blocks would change every six weeks or so. So doing the same thing every single week for six weeks, like, you know, obviously increasing reps and sets yeah, and, yeah. you know, weight. But um, yeah, it is very, very repetitive. And lastly... I know I spoke about my eating disorder experience. However, that is how I experienced it personally. If someone has an eating disorder or underlying disordered eating habits, a prep is probably not the way to go. Um, you really need to be not strong enough, but you need to really learn the difference between what you look like and your self-worth, you know, whether that takes speaking to a counselor or doing some self-work like this, a comp prep isn't the answer. Um, yeah, like I said, it was different for my particular situation. Not everyone's going to be in the same category and it could potentially just worsen or, um, yeah, make the eating disorder or disordering eating habits worse. Yeah. Left 
no sound turn. He gave us so much uh, information about what really goes into it, and it was super good. I know the listeners will take so much from that, and um, yeah, everyone's learned a lot. So I've taken so much out of learning heaps about um, competing and what goes into it and the do's and don'ts. So again, mate, thanks so much for jumping on. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.